Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I saw we passed two years of your debut record this week. Yes, um, it's been two years since that first album uh, came out. It's, yeah, it's just crazy how, how how fast time flies. Like last year, I did a giant merch sale for that and raised a bunch of money for just like a lot of like Black Lives Matters organizations. And uh, that was a fun thing. Even that feels so far away because being in this pandemic makes everything just feel so much further. But yeah, it's been over two years. It's insane to believe. When you initially wrote the CP that you've just re-recorded and brought out, what role did writing that in the first place kind of play on the path to your debut record in terms of your progression as an artist? Right. Um, so when I was writing some days, um, yeah, I feel like I was just figuring a lot of things out. Like I was just learning how to record. I was just learning or trying to figure out what I wanted to sound like. So there was a lot of thought going into it. Whereas with um, with this debut album, um, Time, I wasn't really thinking about what I wanted to sound like at all. Like I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to make songs and just put out an album. And at that point I had kind of found a, my footing and how to record. I've kind of spent a lot of time songwriting. So it was like a lot more comfort and a little more confidence behind it. So when I was writing it, it was just like, I was just making a lot of different music, a lot of different sounds. And I kind of built this um, radio concept um, around the album to kind of help give it more structure because all the songs alongside each other just felt a little disorganized. So I'm like, you know what, if I put like this, this thing kind of tethering these um, songs together, it kind of creates this whole cohesive project rather than it just being a random, randomly cho- like, um, chosen thing. And uh, yeah, that really helped give the album more direction. I guess as well with the way skits and stuff you have on it, it allows a different side to your personality to shine through a more playful side totally like 
hundred percent. Like I, I'm a big fan of just like, you know, video stuff as well as just like doing dumb things. Just I like like to do acting and just like play around. So doing the skits like that or just like at that point I was like, I'm having fun, I'm I'm enjoying playing music and I'm fully self aware at this point that I'm being fully ridiculous and I I thought it was I thought it was just like a fun thing to add and to really help world build the album a bit more be like these are commercials for the radio thing that you are paying attention to so yeah it's a, when i look back and like it's a, sometimes it's a little cringy but like what can you do it reminds <laughs> you know, me a bit of uh midnight marauders you know the tribe called quest album oh yeah that's you know that's interesting because i just recently it's unfortunate i got into quest like last year um and like hearing that album, I was like, whoa, okay. So something was happening here that I fully wasn't paying attention to, but like, it, it's interesting how, um, how the mind works and like how like they had the idea to do this whole tethered thing. And like, I, I love that. It's, it's cool inspiration works like that, but I get the vibe for sure. Did that influence you at all as well when you came back to re-recording the EP? Cause what song is it you kind of have a bit of studio bleed comes into the start of it? Mm. Um, I think it's maybe dreams or what you do or something. It kind of begins with a, a clip from the studio. Oh yeah, the um, I think it was dream. Oh no, what you do to me has like that like breath of like okay. Um, I when I going when going back into working on some days, I was really just like you know what, rather than like because I could have changed like I had so many new ideas that I could have put on these old songs. But I'm like you know what, I just want to really honor what they are and not play around with that or not jeopardize them. So for me and for like a mental practice of minimalistic playing, I'm just going to do exactly what I did, but just do it way nicer. Just polish everything off and just make it sound way prettier than what the originals were. And give it that, giving it that new sheen of like, here's a fresh coat of paints uh, and letting the songs breathe was just nice to hear because I think for me, I'm really excited to hear my very first project next to my my next project and see just how far that growth has kind of happened so yeah i really didn't want to do too much to those songs because i didn't want to i didn't want to bring them into where i'm at now i really want to be like this is a time this is set in a time it's very intentional that these songs are the way they are it's almost like hollywood remaking a film <laughs> just kind of bringing in a bit of a bigger budget exactly making it sound a little bit nicer only good when they just honor the last film and not try to really you know completely create different parallel stories because i think hollywood, hollywood doesn't really account for people form their memories <laughs> to those films and when they just like deface them and change them so much to the point where it's like this is a completely different movie that's kind of maybe the same philosophy i had around the, redoing the ep like don't change it too much just, just just do it again but nicer when you did the initial version did that have who is it that's singing on what you do with you um that's uh their name is vero um they play in the band with me here in winnipeg they like do bongos and sing yeah they're like one of my best friends and uh yeah i i when we were practicing i was like you know what you should just come add some vocals on here just to kind of give it a little something different because i was hearing my own voice fatigue so i was just like it'd be nice to kind of have that as like a nice closer to to the regular sets of songs and it just is such a nice touch to the song i think yeah it just gives it a slightly different flavor exactly to the initial yeah totally 
Because you, you released the EP originally, was it on Bandcamp? Did it make it onto streaming? Uh, it was on Bandcamp. I never made it to streaming. And I had it there for a while. And then I took it down maybe last year or the year prior when I was like, you know what, I'm going to redo this. I wanted to get rid of the original just to not have anything to <laughs> for anyone to really be like, oh, yeah. But I've been posting clips of the original songs on Instagram just so people can kind of get a taste of what they sounded like. I'm like, you don't need the whole thing. There really isn't a whole lot here in terms of like, I wouldn't want anyone to be listening to a whole version of the original What You Do To Me because, yeah, <laughs> it's not that great. Uh, to me anyway, so. If you took it down a couple of years ago, is this an idea you've had for a while to come back and redo it? 100%. I think as soon as I was done working on time, I was, you know, I had like a weird existential crisis moment where I was like, I finished this album that I've been like working on for like two or three years. And I'm like, Am I just a music guy now? Like, do I just make more songs and just do this whole grueling process again? And I was like, I don't know if I can make another album. And I was just like, ah, oh, what do I do? And I kind of had like a moment to just like, you know what, just stop, think for a second. Like, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Um, um, I was like, you know what? I need to give myself like a win. I need to give myself just like an easy like just like recording a cover or doing something that's like is already built like pre-baked in and just like knowing all the steps and recording it and putting it out that just feels so good and rewarding so i was like you know what i'm gonna go back and redo the first album because they're at the time in our set we were playing what you do to me but no one had heard like a recording of it so i was like maybe this makes sense to just do it um and put it out and i think going back to working on those songs really helped influence the direction of what would later become the next album to follow. Like when I was working on while re-recording the songs, I was just like, oh, you know, there's a theme here that I'd like to kind of really play with a bit more of like going back and really using that to move forward. I think that whole thing is very intentional of putting the first thing I've ever done and then like going and looking at the next project I do after this, it's like really is just kind of like a, um, almost like a, I don't know. <laughs> it's almost like a slingshot kind of feel of it. It's just like being pulled back and being launched forward. What you were saying there as well about how, when you wanted to do something that was kind of easy, not easy, but felt creatively satisfying for you. <laughs> yeah. And was going to be reasonably straightforward. What does that do for your creativity after you've completed it? What is it like when you return to working on new material once you've finished reworking the CP? Yeah, I think you just kind of feel like, okay, I killed that. You just kind of give yourself that little little pep, and you're just like, okay, perfect. I, I am. I did something that you know I, I knew the steps to. Went through the process of recording it. I I feel really good about tackling some new ideas, and like I think. At the time, I had a few skeletons of songs for new material, but I was like really in my head about it of just like, I don't know what I wanted it to be, but I think doing, working on some days really kind of gave me a bit more of a direction with like, you know what, the same way that in this time I was just figuring it out, I should just kind of apply that to this as well and not be thinking about um, what I'm doing and just do the thing. And after that, songs were just kind of happening way easier with less restriction. And I, I feel like I was at like a good point of just creativity while working on what, what's going to be the next album. So that's been really, that was, I think, the, what I needed at that time. 
with what you were saying as well about that slingshot metaphor in terms of exploring I, using the ideas and the themes you were exploring on that EP to kind of propel you on mm-hmm. and explore them again in future were those themes already present in the music you were working on it was just a case of fleshing them out or were new songs constructed in terms of wanting to work some more with those themes right um so i think at the time there were some songs floating around that were just like i was like kind of uh, like dabbling in um and after some days like after working on it a bit because it had to be worked on in two sections because the pandemic had locked everything over here so started working on it in january and i kind of got that that moving back into like working on material again feel and then we locked down here in march and then i had like a whole two months to just sit at home and not really do anything before we opened up again so in that time i was like you know i I feel like i had that creative buzz from working on in the studio so i'm like you know what let me really work with that idea idea of that energy and that that same creativity that I had when I was, you know, working on Sundays, I, I yeah, I guess I just really used that to force myself to like really push myself creatively and just do weird things and make different decisions and like fully leave, like completely leave my comfort zone for what I had done prior. I know in the next batch of songs, it's like nothing about it feels comfortable, which is really exciting in a way to be that vulnerable but like feel good about it like and i I think that's been a thing i've been working on just as a life thing like i need to work on being more vulnerable and i think working on an album like this really it it all just helped it it, it was like a feedback loop of self-care i think is it easier to be vulnerable in life out with music once you do it in your art um i think so i i think with like since music and art is just so personal like if you can do it and then put it out for people to see it really is that is the biggest first step it's like as an artist we're just giant babies and we like we act like we don't care what people think but we do the things because we like we want people to like it i don't know any artist that's like i don't want anyone to like me it's like unless you're morrissey or something (laughs) 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 like uh yeah it's like you do these things and then i think you 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 get the feedback you get the the like all the all the reception and then you kind of just use that to not, like to one build a thicker skin but to also be comfortable and confident in your decisions which intent like in turn makes you more of a confident vulnerable person it's like this is me whether you like it or not and um yeah i'm not going to jeopardize that so i think it really is useful and we'll see after this next project comes out if that stands if i'm not just crumbling under my own words so we'll see (laughs) that's an interesting juxtaposition you were kind of mentioning there this idea of being confident in your vulnerability Mm -hmm. do you feel do you feel conviction and confidence or self-doubt fuels your music more or plays a bigger role in your creativity that's such a good question i think self-doubt honestly forces a level of like of of confidence where like, it's such a weird like everything just connected type thing where it's just like i as soon as i have that moment of oh i shouldn't do this it's like why did that come up it's because i'm scared or like i i think it's going too far or it's like something like completely leaving my comfort so like as soon as i feel that self-doubt pushing through it is like pushing a lot of creativity and a lot of vulnerability out it's just like this when i'm done and like especially if i get it to a point like the project to a point where i'm like i'm happy with it it's like 
that is just so rewarding to be like, whoa, I didn't think it could get to this point. And to hear it and see it is just like, I, I, I'm just, I'm just proud. Like, it's a moment of being proud of yourself and it's just a moment of celebrating yourself. And it's like, okay, and now I'm excited to show this off to people. And uh, I can talk about, I didn't think this is the thing I could do, but here it is. And I'm happy I did it. Do you get a little bit of an adrenaline rush from that? Sometimes, yeah. Being out of your comfort zone. I think, I, you know, for me, I, I really thrive from being out of my comfort zone for a while. And that's something I really worked on in my youth of just like, I'm, I was a huge, huge, huge introvert. And I still very much am introverted. But like at the time, I was like to the point where it's like, I wasn't really good at having conversation. I wasn't good at putting myself out there. So I worked at a job where I was forced to be out there and I was worked, like, forced to have to communicate. And being in that position, I felt like I was actually growing. Like I was like, oh, I'm working out of the things that are holding me back. Like I'm being forced to have to communicate more, to have to really socialize. And I think that was really useful. So like, well, as soon as I feel that feeling in music or any kind of anywhere, anything in life, it's like, this is an area in which I can grow in because I'm very uncomfortable in it. And I, I want to. I want to grow. I, I want to, I'm a person that constantly want to feel like I'm progressing in life and not feel too stagnant. So I think that it's not less about adrenaline, but it's less about like a desire to never slow down while, you know, like comfort for me is just like stability and self. Like I don't look for it elsewhere because life is always changing. And I think this pandemic has really shown that nothing is set in stone. Nothing is for sure. So it's like, you know what, if I'm comfortable with myself, all this doesn't matter. It really is. I'm I'm chilling at all points. I'm like constantly just vibing and doing whatever I got to do in a moment. Once you became comfortable in yourself, did you see a shift in the way you expressed yourself in your music at all? I think um, I the self doubt part of it didn't become self doubt, but just um, it, that that part of it changed. So it's like I wasn't doubting myself nearly as much, but I was like. Uh, it became very conversational internally. Like what are areas, like what do you want to really try to pull from here? Like, you know, I, for a lot of, I've gotten a lot of comments on how I like mix vocals deeper in like the music. So people like, I can barely hear you sing. And I'm like, I, I know I, I, I did that on purpose. So I'm like, you know what? Push the vocals, like make them a little louder, put them kind of closer to the front. And it's like, be confident behind that decision while being a little vulnerable and like let your words shine through. Like I spent a lot of time working on lyrics this time around or I think I'm, I'm still talking about um, for some days since there were so many lyrics that time around, I really looked at it as a focus of like, man, I was like writing some really vulnerable stuff. And I, I, that was another thing I guess I took from working back on some days where like the lyricism on that EP was like, it was it was sad boy stuff, but it was just like very very like I I knew exactly what I was talking about as as I was reading. a little bit of teenage angst about exactly, it exactly exactly. So I was like reading through these like like I I mentioned that it felt like an old journal entry. So like I was reading through the words and being like I know exactly what I was feeling, and I think that is such a cool thing to like look back and see. So I was like I need to really focus on lyricism again because for so long I was like really just trying to do the cool thing musically. So I was like, you know what, let's redirect the focus to really pushing the words and like really trying to convey exactly what I'm trying to say and being confident and comfortable enough of being like, 
here's here here it is like kind of pushing it to the to the forefront of um where people are are listening so yeah i've totally gone on a tangent and lost world (laughs) 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 but uh yeah (laughs) how old were you when you wrote the ep um i think 2021 maybe 22 21 22 i think yes it's interesting what you were saying about how it's almost like reading through old journal entries. Mm-hmm. If you think about something like the chorus for some days, we have those those questions like, what do you do when you're past half mm-hmm. done? When you're not really sure if your life's begun. Can you see more directly where that relates to your life now that you're further on from it? Totally. Like, I think at that time, and I, it's interesting, like anyone I've talked to at that age, like at that age I was when I wrote that song, has that same feeling of like, you know, like when you're like, I don't know, is the schooling system the same in the UK as it is over here, where it's like after um, grade 12, you just kind of go into college or you go into life? Um, or, How old are you at that point? Um, I guess you'd be around 21, 22. No, you leave a lot later. I left school at 17. Really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, we can leave from 16, but wait, hold on. Kind of between 16 and 18. Oh, wow. Y'all leave a lot earlier than we do. Like, I think everyone leaving high school. It's around 20 years old or it, it, it differs for a lot of different people. But at that time of like making a decision of like, do I go to school? Like everyone feels like they need to leave their hometown or everyone feels like they need to go into a job. It's like, there's so many decisions. And like, by the time you're done high school up to that point, you're just constantly asking, being asked what you want to do. And like, you don't know because you literally had so much of your life be delegated to you. And then you have, you're pretty much free to do what you want and it's just so much confusion and i i i had just a horrible time in high school i was like held back i got kicked out i went to like adult ed to like finish high school why'd you get kicked out i just skipped class a bunch i hate school i hated school at the time i was uh, you can hear my angst like i was just cutting class and like <laughs> going to the skate park and going to the music room and just being a bad kid uh, not doing bad stuff, but just not doing school stuff. <laughs> I feel like it must be harder to kick people out over here. Because that was kind of the norm for a lot of people really? when I was at school. And nobody got kicked out. Oh, see, well, <laughs> I got kicked out. And I don't know, like, to this day, I'm like, I mean, there were literally drug dealers at our school. And I got kicked out. So I'm like, maybe they just didn't like me. <laughs> like, honestly, like, I, I was kind of a witty asshole back in the day. So I, I don't blame them for getting rid of me. Um, at the same time. It is what it's it a defense is. mechanism when you're that age. Yeah, I think so. Like I it really, I was just like, and to this day, like I see my my, I, I'm I'm just like a natural rebel. Like as soon as I hear you can't do this, you can't do this, I'm like, we'll see about that. <laughs> so I'm just like always like breaking rules, like just like talking back, and I was always that you're smart but lazy kid. I'm like, it's not smart and lazy. I just don't want to do it like at all. Like I I hated it so much and. Yeah, school was just never it for me. But I, you know, now I'm older. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I was the problem. (laughs) Maybe school wasn't the problem. I was the problem. But I also realize how I learn is maybe not how school wants to teach you. You know, or it's like very much sitting in a room, listening to a person and writing down. I learn very conversationally, hands-on through visual um, and just through experience. Like I've learned so much just doing rather than just being kind of told a way of doing something. 
um, which is not really how school works sometimes. Yeah, not everyone wants that kind of structured learning. You yeah. want to explore a little bit more. Exactly. And I, I, I learned that at a young age, and I think I've always had a hard time with school because of that. Like, I see everyone else learning and excelling this way, and, like, school systems will tell you that you're, you're wrong, and you're, what you're learning is how you're learning is wrong. And, like, hearing that at such a young age and being like, I'm uh, something wrong with me. I'm stupid. Or it's like, I, I don't think I'm stupid. I, I don't think I'm stupid. Like this makes sense. It's just like, I can't apply it. Like sure. Calculus on paper, when you're being told how to do it, this makes sense. But in the world, does it make sense? Like, do I need calculus in my day-to-day life? No, but <laughs> I, I could see where, where and how it's useful. Yeah. I, I, I really like to learn stuff that's just practical and not like, all the extra stuff that school kind of presents to you. It's like, I'm never going to really need some of the things I learned in school, but they're nice to learn about. Sure. History, um, social sciences and all that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of wasted time when you're in school. A lot of wasted time. And not that my time was precious to me at that point, but like, I just was, there was a lot more distraction, like, you know, like trying to make friends, trying to meet people, just trying to live life and trying to figure out who the hell I wanted to be and what the hell I wanted to do on my own. Do you think that was more productive for you in the long run though? Like going to the music room or socializing with people and learning those skills? Uh, yeah, because I, I, that was an area I needed to grow in once again. I was just like, I knew I wanted to play music. I didn't know to what extent, but then as soon as I found a deep love for it, I think, you know, being the angsty, troubled kid I was, I found it was a form of escapism. So I was like, doing it as much as possible and um, trying to understand what I was getting from it. I didn't realize how therapeutic music was for me at that time. And then, like, I wrote some horrible songs in high school. Like, I was learning how to pretty much songwrite and play an instrument. But, like, I spent so much time doing it that I was like, oh, I can get good at this if I just give it way more time. And I think school's cutting into that time. So (laughs) it's just like (laughs) cutting class and going and doing it. And just like, yeah, I had a really cool guitar teacher at the time. He's like, why aren't you in class? I'm like, I don't want to be there. He's like, well, he'd much rather I be in the guitar room than be out of school entirely. He's like, I'm not going to say it's okay that you're cutting class, but I'd much rather you be here than out there. So do whatever you want to do. There's some guitars over there, whatever. I don't see it. I don't hear it. I'm like, okay, cool. Have you ever had a teacher that you've devoted yourself to? Um, you know, my guitar teacher, I really, um, uh, my guitar teacher, as well as my choir teacher, they were both like, they were classrooms right next to each other. So like, they were both really, really supportive and being like, you get to kind of pick and choose your way of life. So if this is something you really like, you know, give it a chance and really push yourself in it. But like, you shouldn't throw away like your schooling. It's like, Schooling is something that you can kind of like after I got kicked out of high school, I was like, okay, I want to finish high school. <laughs> like, I don't want to just be a high school dropout. So making the choice to go, cause there was like a program here in Winnipeg called adult education, which is essentially high school, but with, um, um, university, um, level classes. So it's way harder and like they have less restriction on it. It's like you get to pick and choose. And I think, making the choice to want to learn and do good and want to like actually like that felt way better than the structure of where are you where are you going in school it's like i was allowed to wear i wasn't allowed to wear a hat in high school but as soon as i went to adult head adult head i was allowed to just wear a hat i'm like 
oh, this feels good. <laughs> it's like some, that little tiny stupid thing. I'm just like, why can't I wear a hat? It's so dumb. Um, so yeah, making the choice to kind of want to learn was a really cool thing. And I, I did well in adult ed and I realized, I'm like, oh, I do know what the hell I'm being told. It's just like, I'm just such a fucking asshole. So part of my language, <laughs> I'm just such a, like a shithead sometimes <laughs> where I'm just like, no, I don't want to do it. You like, I'm just like, ah, like I look back at that kid. It's just hilarious. It's like smart up, man. <laughs> smart up. That's also why I find it really strange that you leave high school, you know, in Canada at like 20, because when you're in high school, you're still treated like a child. Yeah. By the time you're 20, you're not a child. Anymore. You know what? Maybe it was 20 for me because I was held back. I was given, like, I'm like, you know what? I said even that. Eight, even 18 though. It's yeah. Interesting. It's, you know, that's a really great point. And I think that's exactly it. You're still a kid and you're being launched into the world. Like, all right. But like, a lot of people out of high school already have this preconceived notion that they need to go into post-secondary. Like, all right, after high school, I got to go to university or I got to go to college. But they have no idea what for. Like, I think a lot of like high school and the high school I went to offered a lot of different classes. Like we had an automotive class. It was like a vocational class, like vocational high school. So there was just so many different things. And like, that was one thing I really took from high school where it's like, you know what? I'm going to explore like, whereas everyone was like going through like the standard, um, I'm going through these things. I was constantly changing my classes. I was like, Hey, I want to go try this. Hey, I want to go try wood shop. Hey, I want to go try electric electronics. Hey, I want to go try auto. I want to go try drama. Why are you changing your classes? I'm like, I'm just trying to find something. I really don't know what I like yet. And I'm just trying to find the thing that really makes me want to work hard for this shit. So, uh, um yeah changing classes was like a way to just explore the different things i was into and i think very quickly i was like i like working with my hands i like kind of have like working in areas that i can just explore my own way i i i I pretty much just pivoted the way i like to learn and just found the things that kind of provide that type of learning um while still going to like all the, the english math and science and yeah, like I, I love English. I love science. Don't like math. I'm not good at math, but uh, nobody likes I math. Like, no one likes math. I don't I, trust you know, people who like math. <laughs> my partner loves math, and I'm like, that. That's just something that weirds <laughs> me flag. out all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta get out of this relationship. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> Red flag if you like math. I like that. But yeah, like I'm not a big math person, um, but I like science. So I like English. And that was fun. I didn't mind it. It's so weird talking about high school. I just never do it anymore. Yeah, it is funny to look back. It's interesting mm-hmm. as well because I, I think it was in the liner notes. There was somewhere you mentioned that some days in life you feel like a doer and other yeah. days you feel like an observer. Which did you feel more like in high school? Um, I think in high school, I didn't even realize there was, a, I had those two, like it was just like one thing at that point. Like I was observing while doing and not really paying attention to what I was doing. But I was doing the things. But the second I kind of split the brain a bit, which is like, which is maybe where I could have been a more effective learner, but observe, then do. Observe, then do. I was always just like, this isn't happening fast enough. I should be doing. So as I'm listening, I want to be doing something. And that just makes me so fidgety. Like I have a hard time listening to a person talk for a super long time, especially if they weren't like i had great teachers like i had great teachers that were really engaging and really fun and really like charming and funny but like i had a lot of teachers that were just like 
reading the script in their brain and spewing it out. And like, you're trying to get me engaged. Like I had, they don't want to be there either. Exactly. It's like, how the hell are you going to convince a room full of kids to be here? Well, it it worked. I mean, I didn't want to be there and I was very much like, I'm out of here. I'm fucking cutting class or whatever. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I think in high school, I was like this weird middle of both. And I, it took me a long time to realize I need to observe, then do. I need to observe, then do. I need to observe, then do. And I'm still figuring out that balance because all too often, I observe a lot of things and want to do a lot of things all at the same time. Like, that's not effective. I got to hone in on what I really want to, like, really want to take in. And then I got to hone in on really what I want to do. So... It, that that's growth. <laughs> when I hear myself talking about that, it's like, damn, figured it out. <laughs> this is therapy right here. Dang, thank you, Alex. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I mean, what have you observed recently that you've kind of grown from and used? I, I think tracking my behaviors and like knowing how I get in certain moments and knowing what I need in times. Like when I feel stressed, what are some things I notice about when I feel stressed? I don't eat a lot or I get really like quiet and I'm like, I, what I need to do in those times is I need to communicate better. I need to be more active. Uh, I need to make sure I uh, get enough sleep, get enough water and just be more hyper aware internally of like my body's alarm systems and just like getting more in touch with myself. So that's been a thing recently, maybe within the last two years, two, three years of just like really figuring out myself and Cause like, it's so funny, like observation is such an external thing, but like, I, I, I didn't even realize I can observe internally. Like, oh, wh- where are my thoughts going? Oh, what's my body telling me I need or want right now? And then doing those things and being like internally rewarded from it. It's like, ah, my back, po- my posture is better now. Oh, I have more energy. Oh, I, I feel like I have more creativity. My focus is better. It's like your body is pretty much giving you things when you give it give it uh, what it needs and wants. And it's like, I'll, I'll take that. So having a better relationship with myself, I think has been what I've been working on. That idea you mentioned that, you know, of the give and take, mm-hmm. how often does the amount of effort and energy that you give to a song when you're creating it mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. a fair transaction from what you get back from making that song? I think what I've learned is with music, it doesn't all need to happen all at once. For so long, I thought I'm giving it my all, all like in an hour. I'm not getting anything back. It's like, well, maybe a song doesn't take an hour to write. You know, it's like you give it your all, you breathe. You give it your all, you breathe. And eventually, what you get from doing that little by little when you have the energy to give is something that, you know, has all that energy stored in it. Like, I think that was a large part of working on new material was like when I had energy, I was throwing it right like right into writing and into making new songs. When I didn't have energy, I wasn't forcing it. Like I wasn't like trying to do a thing because I'm just giving it nothing and getting nothing back. And I felt like this is a waste of time. This is just like shitty. Giving it the energy when I felt good and excited makes me I'm, I think what's come from it is like looking at this new batch of songs I'm just like whoa I'm really proud and really excited about this which is I, I'm just super stoked to 
I, I love talking about some days, but for me, I've been, I feel like I've been talking about some days for, for years. So like it's new to everybody, but me. So I'm like, I'm, I'm excited for everyone being excited. That, that feels really rewarding and great. But like, I'm so excited for the next thing because we'll all be experiencing it at the same time. It won't be like a, I have a five, I have a five year head start for this, for this thing. And I, so it's new to everyone. And I'm like, I, it, I, I, I want to keep that enthusiasm and excitement. I'm very excited about what's next. And I'm very excited about Sundays and just the reception of just like people enjoying it. Because in my mind, like since, because, like since it has been five years since I put that out, I was like, oh, you know, no one's going to care about this. It's not new to everybody. It's like, it's new to everybody but me. So that, that was something I really had to get out of the way for and be like, let everyone have their experience with this thing and not, and you don't have to be giving them an experience about it. So it's been super nice to just hear everyone talk about it and have a good time with it. Are you, are you so excited about the new stuff as well? Cause you were just in the studio, right? Like a couple of weeks yeah, ago. I've been chipping away at this next project for, it seems like I, I I'm, I'm figuring out that I, I think I need like two years to make a, a good album, <laughs> a good album. Um, I don't, I don't know what I could do in a year. Like I would definitely try, but like, um, yeah, I've been working on these songs since like end of 2019. And I've been slowly putting together a package of songs that I'm just like feeling really good about and being in the studio, tidying them up and getting them to a good place and continuing to work on them. Like the two engineers I've been working with Arthur and Will, We've been talking about this thing for like years now. I'm mean, like, okay, this is what I kind of want it to be. At the time, it wasn't like a, a thing. Like I couldn't really show them what I had been working on. But when I had the collection of songs that I wanted to make a, another album, they're like, oh yeah, we we get this immediately. And we've just been. I, it's been nice to not have it just because for the last thought, like for time, I was. It was just such a personal thing of me just sitting and festering and just going through it on my own but talking it through with people and like getting the song to because i don't have a lot of equipment like i don't have a very minimal setup at home so i need to kind of go places to work and i it's almost nice to have that to have a home studio i I feel like i would be it'd be really useful for the creation stage but like i don't want to like do all the final touches or anything from home i think it's almost better to move it somewhere else to get it to that next place so having a place to work and having people to talk about ideas with has been really really good for me because i see where the songs were and i just see how much they're growing and like changing and i'm like this is amazing man it's just so much fun and like i'm becoming more and more excited every time I, I take from it. I think as well, when you're having conversations with people in that way, you mm-hmm. need to have a full understanding of the music itself and a very clear understanding in order to communicate that to them, which then gives a clear idea of what you want yourself. Exactly. I think when I hear myself and that's going back to like observing and doing, like I'll, I'll talk to people and it'll be a conversation. I'm observing what I'm saying and I'm hearing what they're saying. And I'm like, Oh yeah, let's do that. Like the things that really connect. So it's like, applying it immediately and being like i didn't think of that let's go with that that makes a lot more sense or that that conversation is just such a useful tool when it comes to creativity because when i'm sitting at home just doing it myself that's just not happening as much as i can talk internally about 
oh, I should try this. I could do this. Having a good feedback and like, give this a try or do this. It's like, oh, that's, that makes way more sense. Thank you. That's, that's really useful. Really, really useful. What was the last conversation you had that changed the way you thought about something? I learned so much working with Arthur and Will. Like, they're good friends and I really trust them with everything. For me, understanding that balance is such an important thing in making music. Like, I, for so, like, I, I was a, I've been called a maximalist for a lot of what I do. It's just like everything, everywhere, all the time. But balance is such a good thing, letting moments breathe, letting them flow more. Once I kind of took that and applied it and was able to just like understand, like letting music breathe more, I was just like, oh man, this, I don't know why I didn't know this before. Like I, I knew it, but I didn't really understand dynamic and balance and just like seeing it actually be applied. Like doing less is actually doing more in some areas, whereas doing more is sometimes taking away it. So it's like, Learning balance and dynamic and having a constant conversation about that um, has been really good. And I think even after this next album, like having that in my mind of like, we're like the balance and dynamic, um, whatever I do creatively next, I think that's a really good thing to kind of work with. Do you agree with people calling you a maximalist? Um, I still don't fully understand it, but at the same time, I do. Like I... I always try to make things sound full. I always try to get every idea I have out. Um, so maybe to some extent, and I like to work with what I have and I like to not do too much while still doing the most with the space I have in it. So I guess when I hear myself talk, I'm a bit of a maximalist. So now it's like working back to working in minimalism, but also just finding once again the healthy middle like the balance between the two of them like giving moments that need to be big bigger bigger points and then taking everything away so i think working in that balance has been such an interesting thing and such a fun thing for showing growth of you know for so long i've been just doing the most but now it's like i know and understand doing the least is also as potent can you hear the idea of maximalism in the initial some days recordings? I think for some the first I think I really started hearing maximalists in time. Um, some days for me feels very minimal because at the time it was drums, guitar, guitar, bass, vocals, and barely any synth. So I was like, all right, I was just doing the fundamentals, but the parts were busy. So maybe. <laughs> you know what even in that saying that i guess i was being a maximalist with the with the bare minimum i had so damn <laughs> full circle <laughs> it's like i only have these three things so i've got to do the most and yeah i guess kind of now when i say it like that i kind of hear the maximalism come out but uh yeah i i, I think understanding that now i'm being more damn I hear it. I see it. <laughs> Called out. I mean, when, often when we, when we look back at our past work or our past selves, it's very easy to be self-critical totally. and kind of pick it apart a little bit. Mm-hmm. Does building something so directly from that original EP, basically just taking it and remaking it almost, does that help you to feel more at peace with your past self? I that think it can so. can still be that songs, but you're still proud of them? 
Totally. Yeah. Like I think that was the nice thing that was really rewarding with uh, going back to some days was feeling like the songs still held up. Like they didn't feel like old, like old crappy recordings. They just felt like, Oh, these are just, they just need to be dusted off and polished. And like, they still very much are, um, they still work. And I, I think and hope that um, they can still be um, very useful for someone and today, even though they were written like back in 20, 2014. So yeah, I, I felt really good to see that level of, okay, these still work and they still have the same effects. Are you able to identify what it is that's still working about them? I think for me, um, the guitar playing in them was really, I, looking back, I was like, I was really at my show off stage of music where I'm like, I want to just show that I can play this instrument or play these instruments. and. I think that part for me holds up where it's like a lot of the biggest com, com, like compliments and comments I've been getting about it is just like the, the guitar sounds really good. And I'm like, yeah, I'm really proud about that because, you know, I don't moving forward. I'm like trying to not necessarily move away from the guitar, but change the relationship with the guitar and music. So kind of going back to playing more guitar central music and um, just more like string based stuff. It felt more raw. And I think that was the thing that was most valuable in working on Sundays again, was just like, you know what, being connected to the instrument that like the parts are super detailed and like it, it pushes, it pushes me out of my comfort again to be like, Oh, I've been getting lazy on guitar or like, cause like at that time it, that was easy. So, um, that's an area I think really, it really shines through for me for sure. Like just the instrumentation and the lyricism, um, that's yeah holds up really well did you think when you wrote those songs back in 2014 2015 that you would still relate to them kind of five six years on um no truth be told like when i wrote them back then i didn't think really anything of them because at the time this project wasn't really what it is like uh, yeah without saying it was not what it was now but like my relationship with the music and my growing relationship with what i was going to do just wasn't there. I think I was very naive. Uh, I, I think I just wanted to do a thing, not really thinking or caring about what happened with it. Like I have all these songs in me. I just want to record them, put them out and whatever, you know? So I didn't really think much of it. And uh, now looking back, it's, it's a really cool thing to see that whole, I wasn't thinking much of it, but now to kind of see where it is now and give it a new life. is just, it really is rewarding in that sense of just like honoring that past time and that, all that past work and just being celebrating that version of myself and yeah, seeing how it still works today and what it's doing for me moving forward is really, really, really awesome. Do you feel like you'll relate to the songs that you're writing today in five years time? I think the songs I'm writing today yeah, I think so. I think um, this, what, what I'm working on or what I've been working on uh, post Sundays has been something that it, it feels like a, a big chapter of life encapsulated in this, like the next album. So I think looking back at it, I'll, I'll see all the, all that whole, whole flow of where I was and where I'm at. And that's the nicest thing with looking at any um, previous music project. It's like, Anytime I hear or look back at what I've done, it's like I see where I was at that time. So having this whole kind of moment of time encapsulated in an album and like 
looking back at that is so valuable. So I think there's a lot in it that in five years I'll, I'll be able to take from be really stoked about overcoming or, you know, uh, persevering through and all that stuff. So I'm very excited about that. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.